You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. And even better, go to our webpage, Let's Talk Torah.net. Go to Let's Talk Torah.net. You can find our archives, our new shows. Leave your questions, leave your comments, the nice ones we like. Whatever we will answer. And of course, that all important donate button, that's what keeps us going. And we are going, we are moving. Today is a special day because we have reached a new milestone. Today is our 400th show. That is an amazing number. 400 shows? Now, it's not like you do a show every day. I guess if you did a show every day. So, you know, in two years, you can take care of that. But we are actually up to show number 400. And to reach a milestone like 400, you need a lot of help. A lot of people that let us keep going. And, and over the years, we've had tons of different people sitting behind the glass. Today we have Alan. We thank Alan for all his work running this studio, getting everything up and running and downloaded and who knows what. I, I don't even know all the things he does. I like, I'm clueless what he does for the sound and the video and the computers and the, and the music. Whatever it is, Alan is amazing. And anybody he brings in, all the different people we've had over the years, is certainly appreciated. And we thank Alan and NRM Streamcast for all they've done. And yes, we have reached that milestone of 400. So what famous 400 number is there? Where is 400 famous? It's really this week's Torah portion. Wouldn't you know? 400 is the official number the Jewish people are in Egypt. When Abraham was by the Brisbane Absarium, the Treaty of the Pieces, so God told him, your children will be in a land that's not theirs. They'll be slaves for 400 years. And then I will judge the nation that took care, that enslaved them. That's the plagues. And then they'll go out with great wealth. That'll be next week's Torah portion. So now we weren't slaves for 400 years. We weren't slaves for 400 years. The, the Torah itself does the math for you if you pay attention because it tells us who came down to Egypt and then it tells us one of those, that was Levi's son. Levi also comes down to Egypt. But Levi's son, um, Kahas, comes down to Egypt. He lives 133 years. His son is Amram, who lives 137 years. Moses is Amram's son. He leaves Egypt when he's 80. And even if Kahas was born on the way in, and even if Amram was born the day Kahas died, and even if Moses was born on the day Aram died, which is not true, right? There was a lot of years mixed in. Your number is 350. So there's just not enough years um, to make it work. So therefore, clearly we were not in Egypt for 400 years. We were in Egypt for 210 years. 
So the 400 years happens to start from the birth of Isaac because Isaac is a stranger in a land that's not his. And so when God makes these prophecies, there's multiple possible answers. And because the Jewish people needed it, this was the answer that we received, that we're going to leave 400 years after the birth of Isaac. So there's, again, there's, there's so many things to talk about in this week's Torah portion. Um, we love the plagues, and uh, frogs is my favorite. I mean, I could do it, but since most people listen, you, you wouldn't appreciate it. Um, I have puppets in my classroom. Well, they're in a drawer, and the kids love it. They go wild. And I'm not a ventriloquist. And they don't care. I make a little bit funny voice, a higher voice, a deeper voice. Uh, I don't know what voice. Um, I have. I basically use three. I've had four over the years, but four is too much for me. I, I just don't have enough material to make them different. So why bother? So I happen to have one puppet. His name is Bob, and he's he's my character trait. Right? We use him to show how not to act. And then I have another pu puppet. He's my grammar puppet. And I have a frog puppet. I, I've had different frog puppets over the year. Um, I use him occasionally. You know, sometimes they're better when they don't come out as often. I use him, I have a train with words. So I have the Hebrew words and Torah words. And every time we get to the a new hundred, so he comes out and... He talks about that word, and we dance through the hallway, and we sing the word. It, it makes an excitement to the words. Like, the children enjoy new words because, because they know they're getting close to the next hundred. The last one was, the Hebrew word was sowed. Sowed means secret. So we, so you play the game. But it only works with a puppet. You can't do it with an adult, right? In other words, he asks the boys what the word means, and they say it's a secret. So, secret, why don't you want to tell me? You know, it's a very simple, you know, back and forth. But anyway, he's a frog. So the other time he gets to come out is this week's story portion, where he talks about the plague of frogs, and he tells about his great, 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 great grandpappy. They passed on the stories of what happened in Egypt um, when this plague took place. So it's just telling over the story, like, you know, secondhand, because, well, or 275th hand, because that's how many greats he tries to say. And it's all, it's all the slapstick. It's all the game. But they're engaged. They, they, they can't get enough of it. So I love the plague of Tzardea, frogs. It is just one of those things that is amazing. So... If it would be, and his name is Sammy, by the way. If your name is Sammy, I apologize, but uh, his name is Sammy. So he talks about how his great grandpappy came out of the river because the plague starts with it's again debatable, uh, but one one angle is this humongous frog comes out. I don't even know what humongous means, but imagine we pretend it's the size of an elephant, but it didn't have to be. It could have been a little one comes out, and the Egyptians come, and they said, this is the plague, we'll just kill that frog. And there's shovels and pitchforks and spears and arrows, and they're, and they're bashing. And then 
the frog, again, you can say it any way you want, it, it explodes, comes pouring out of its mouth. All of a sudden, hundreds, thousands of frogs start coming out of it. So the Egyptians say, that's it. And they start to try to bash each frog. But the problem is every time they smash a frog, the frog doubles and doubles and doubles and doubles. And, and all of a sudden, you're sitting on top of a mountain of frogs, right? And you just keep, you can't stop. So lesson, we were very into lessons. Um, last show, this show as well. Why don't they stop? Let somebody pay attention and say, hey, guys, every time we hit this frog, it doubles. Now, we don't like frogs, and we don't want this plague to be here. But if there's a couple thousand frogs, you know, we'll survive. But if we keep hitting it, all of a sudden there's millions of frogs. And billions of frogs, we don't stop. Just stop. If you stop, the frogs will end. Just like, where's your brain? And the answer to that amazing question is that when a person gets angry, the brain turns off, right? All the lessons they try to teach people. When you're angry, don't talk to somebody, pause, count to 100, count to 10, count your fingers. When a person is angry, he will not say something good. You're angry at an employee, you're not going to say it right. It's too late to take it back. You're angry at a spouse, you're angry at a child. If you don't take a step back, teachers, if you don't take a step back, if you say something when you're angry, you can't take it back. Now, children also do that to parents. And then they apologize. I was really angry. I didn't mean it. So as parents, will accept that. And as friends, you might accept it. And it's true. Right? The person was angry what he said, which is always going to be hurtful. right? But if you wouldn't get angry, or if you would know that when you get angry, you're going to say something really terrible, you wouldn't say it. You'd be able to control yourself. Instead, instead, you say things that are terrible. That's what happens when a person gets angry. So now the frogs are, there's millions, they are marching towards Pharaoh's palace. And as the plague starts with Pharaoh's palace, from there it'll go to the servants in there across the whole Egypt. So, again, if you see an army of frogs coming towards your house, you close the door. Because frogs are little squishy things. And if you close the door, they can't get in. So a very interesting miracle took place, which we described in class, is the best way to explain it is the walls of the house became like a swimming pool. In other words, if you go swimming, so you can walk through the pool, right, because the water is soft, you're hard, no problem. You just walk right through the swimming pool. But if you're soft and the wall is hard, you can't walk through. So the walls became soft. So the frogs just marched right through. They were everywhere. In the beds, in the chairs, on the table, in the bowls, in the food. They jumped into the oven, which is something that frogs, generally speaking, don't like. But the frogs were everywhere. Your food was ruined. You couldn't sleep. If you opened your mouth, the frogs climbed in. You, you just, everything and everyone was, and the noise was, I mean, if you ever heard like one frog, they sometimes could be very loud. Like one bullfrog. Yeah, one bullfrog. It is so loud. Just imagine millions of them. Imagine what the sound is. 
So there's a lot of of uh, facets in each plague. One of the facets is it was like an army. Armies try to make noise to frighten. One of the reasons they drop bombs, yes, bombs do destroy stuff, but for the most part, bombs just make a lot of noise and scare people. Right? You're not winning. Nobody wins a war, right? Because you dropped a bunch of bombs. Right? The Israeli Air Force has tried to pulverize Gaza. It's not doing. I mean, it's not, it's not doing anything. But overall, the only way to uproot uh, Hamas, you're gonna have to go into those tunnels or blow up those tunnels, find the tunnels. But just the actual aerial bombardment is not what you're winning. I mean, it gives you control. No one can shoot at you, but that's you gotta go on by ground. Um, also, it says the Egyptians would wake up the Jewish people bright and early in the morning and yell and scream at them. Okay, now you're getting yelled and screamed at. Let's see how you like it. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh couldn't handle it. Like the noise and people, it was killing people. The noise, you try to go to sleep, you can't yawn, you can't. Where are you sleeping in your bed? There's a, a thousand frogs in bed with you. Like, what? What are you supposed to do? So Pharaoh calls Moses and says, get rid of this plague. I can't handle it. Uh, uh, you let us go? Of course I'll let you go. So Moses says, when would you like us to pray that they should leave? So the Pharaoh, who's suffering so much, that he says to Moses, get these frogs out of here. But when Moses asks him, so when would you like me to pray to remove the frogs? Pharaoh says, because again, we talked about Pharaoh was convinced that Moses is in control over here and he's just a great magician. So maybe Moses knows something. So Pharaoh says, tomorrow. In other words, the fact you're asking the question, a normal person would answer, get rid of them right now. Maybe Moses knows they're going away right now. I'm willing to suffer one more day if I can uh, prove this Moses fellow that uh, he's not in control. He's just smarter than the rest of us, and he sees the stars. He knew this frog attack was going to come. So Moses says, no problem. So he goes, he cries out to God, remove the frogs tomorrow. And the next morning you wake up and it's quiet. It's quiet. Because all the frogs died. All the frogs died. So the Egyptians are busy shoveling out their houses into the streets. It's not like they had garbage trucks to take everything away. Just shoveling out the frogs. And you can imagine in the heat of Egypt. You can imagine in the heat of Egypt what it smelled like. So the plague didn't go away exactly right away. It was still there. Just the, the smell, you can only imagine how horrible it must be. But at least they didn't have the frogs jumping on their heads. However, interesting enough, not all the frogs died. Those frogs that jumped into the oven lived. They went back to the river and they survived in the river. So, so it, it is interesting that in the, between the first and second temple, the king was some by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king. And one time he wanted all the leaders from every nation to come to a grand, I don't know what, and they were all going to bow down to his statue. So these three Jewish leaders, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, had a dilemma. Should we go? Can't bow down. It's going to kill us. Or there could be thousands of people there. He's going to notice that we weren't there? How's he going to notice? 
not taking attendance. They're assuming if you're told to come, you come. Maybe we shouldn't go. So the Talmud says they learned from the frogs, from this week's story portion, they learned from the frogs to go. Because the frogs jumped into the fire and they lived. So what did they learn? Now, by the way, the end of the story is they stand there and don't bow down. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar sees these three guys not bowing down. He takes them. What's going on? We don't bow down to your idol. So he throws them into a fiery furnace. And of course, they all survive. Can't be that they learned from the frogs that if you jump into the fire, you're going to live. Because it's not true. A lot of times, Jews over the over the millennial have uh, have jumped into fires and died. Can't be they learned from the frogs. We jump into the fire, we're going to live. Can't be. So what did they learn? So there's different answers, but the answer that I like is a Kliyoker. Kliyoker says that a person can imagine that I have a choice. Give up my life for God, I die. Don't give up your life for God, you live. You can imagine that that's my, my choice. I can, I can do whatever I want. Hanani Mishan said, you see from the frogs that being to be willing to give up your life is not choosing to die. And not willing to give up your life is not choosing death. Because you had all these frogs, and God said some have to jump into the fire. Some chose to jump in. Some chose not to jump in. So you might have thought that the frogs that chose to jump in chose to die. The frogs that chose not to jump in chose to live. It's not true. Because it was just the opposite. So what they learned from the frogs is staying home and not going to Nebuchadnezzar and standing up because we're Jews doesn't mean we're choosing to live. We could die here just as easily. The only choice we have is sanctifying God's name. So for that, we might as well go. We live, die. We could die here just as easily as if we go there. So I heard a story about this concept. So um, the Shvelia Zayda said this story. There was a town, and two of the boys in the town became irreligious. They befriended some Polish youth. They were wild. No one could talk to them. And one day, the police surround the town. It seems a carriage of a nobleman and his family was robbed and killed by a Polish gang. And they were going after the gang members. And these two boys were also part of that gang. And the town was like an uproar, like, whoa, like, what's going on? Like, and the sentence, of course, came down quickly. Um, all the gang members will be hung. The two Jewish gang members will be burnt. So they hung all the, all the gang members. And then they came to these two Jews. And they're boiling up like vats of tar. It's like horrible death. And the priest comes out and says, you know, there's nothing worse than dying by fire. The pain is amazing. If you're willing to convert, let me baptize you. Um, we'll just hang you. So these two irreligious boys say, no way. We're Jews. Burn us. So the, the priest says, tell you what, if you'll become, if you let me baptize you, you'll become a Christian. Um, not only we won't burn you, but we'll, we'll commute your, your sentence. We'll let you live. And the boy says, we're Jewish. 
burn us. And they burnt him. Right? Now, is that concept of learning from the frogs, it doesn't matter. You go into the fire, you don't go into the fire. What's going to happen is going to happen. Your only choice is sanctifying God's name. There is the music. Thanks for listening. 400 shows in. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors. Listen, I can't do it without you. Thank you, the production team. We have Alan in the back. I've been left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Chief Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build Every room inside is filled